And we are live for the ninth episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. I am your host, Matt Loves Luigi, and I am with Nick, and I'm with Andrew tonight. How's it going, guys? Oh, I'm doing fantastic coming off a, uh, a weekend in Nashville, and uh, I'm hurting, guys, but uh, unlike certain uh, Yankees uh, first baseman, I'm going to push through the pain and contribute to the pod- podcast tonight uh, to come uh, through. Oh, man, we're taking shots less than a minute in. Oh, man. It's going to be yeah. a fun night, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, the title of the episode is uh, Greg Bird Foot Watching. And, uh, yeah, so let's get right into that because Greg Bird is – I'm not going to – we don't know if he's hurt or injured. We don't know whether it's just it's like – it was reported some inflammation, but it could, who knows? He's seeing the doctor tomorrow, I believe, on Monday. And this is what Brian Cashman had to say on it. I'm worried about it. That's what he had to say about it. That's all I'm going to say because that's all you need to know. Brian Cashman saying he's worried about it just kind of echoes what Yankee fans feel. That, you know, here's another. Seems obviously he got hurt in May last year. uh, But it's just another thing where is this guy going to be hurt all the time? Is this guy just going to be one of those guys like, you know, you think of basketball players like Brandon Roy or even like Derrick Rose, guys that just get their careers plagued by injuries? You don't want it to happen, but it's really starting to look like that. And you really hope it's just something minor. You really hope he's just out for a few days, but it's really looking like it's most likely he's not going to be the opening day first baseman. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's to the point where like, this isn't going away, like much in the way we talked about Tanaka's because uh, home run problems aren't going away. This foot thing isn't going away because if I'm not mistaken, this is the same foot that was bothering him last year, and you saw that that kind of turned into. So I put it out there to the guys at BBB today, who hits more home runs this year, Tyler Austin or Greg Bird? Uh, I think that's a more than fair question to ask, um, and that's probably more a reflection on the playing time, really, than anything. So you look at the replacements, I think you're going to have Walker be playing um, against right-handed pitchers. He'll kind of work that left-handed platoon side split. And it sounds like Tyler Austin might get his chance. They're talking that uh, he might start opening day against the lefty Jay, Jay Happ in Toronto. So I'm excited to see Tyler Austin at least. Um, man, we've talked about it before. He's got some opposite field power, and I think that swing could play really well in the Yankee Stadium. And who knows, maybe, maybe Tyler Austin turns into a damn good uh, first baseman himself. But one other option I want to bring up is the ever-controversial Big Dong McKinney, and uh, pretty much controversial just for his name. Uh, if you've been keeping track of Bronx uh, Bomber Ball Twitter uh, lately, had some really good discussions about this, just some uh, very perverse fans that take things the wrong way. But McKinney's shown pop this spring. I believe he's hit four home runs, and I think like the first day he got sent down to the minors, he hit another one. So I'd be interested to see how that goes. I think that would actually behoove the Yankees to give him a chance because – I think McKinney's a guy that's kind of looked at as trade bait as well. And so if you can have him come up, hit a couple home runs and sell high on him at the deadline or something for a starting pitcher, that would be huge. But I know we've also mentioned a couple external guys, maybe bringing an Adam Lind, a Mark Reynolds, a Mike Napoli. I'm sure those guys would all be fine, but I'd say why not try and figure out what we have internally first before we go and spend money, maybe give a major league contract and then tie up a roster spot from one of those guys. It would be really nice for us to have Adam Lind. I would love to have Adam Lind on the Yankees. Imagine that, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be ideal. He'd look good in pinstripes. It would be very nice to have him on the roster. Thing about Lind is, I think they must have told him uh, a week or two ago that he wasn't going to make the roster. Um, what probably I heard wish that, you, probably wishes he would have stick around now. His, right? his release was, I believe, he requested it. Oh, that's so, so, so at that point, he realized he was blocked by Bird. If anything, they were going to take Austin as the backup, so he had no place on the team. Uh, I think it was I think it was Ryan who brought it up when we first signed him that maybe since the first base market was was so so dim this this offseason that maybe he signed with the Yankees, realizing you know I'll just take the AAA job, and then once there's an injury, I'll get my hacks up at the bigs uh, in New York. Uh, it seems like that's obviously not the case now. Uh, to to go back what uh, Scott was alluding on. I'm not sure if, if McKinney, if they see his, certainly not his glove, cause he's an outfielder by trade, but uh, his, his overall batting as, as major league ready yet. I, I am excited to see Tyler Austin. If that's the direction they go less. So 
should they sign someone like Mike Napoli or or Mark Reynolds? Man, with Bird though, this one thing that concerns me is that the guy he's going to see, Doctor O'Malley, is the same doctor who performed the surgery last year. So, I you, know, you could look at it as, hey, he's just the foot specialist and he's the guy for anything foot related. Part of what I'm thinking is it might be related to what if the surgery wasn't performed perfectly? What if there's a complication that they 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 cleared that bone in, in his heel ankle area last year, but there's something else popping up this year as you know a six month later side effect of that surgery. So that's what we have to uh, you know keep our our ears pinned on. the The appointment is tomorrow afternoon, correct? Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Monday. That that's going to be the, the, the be all <laughs> that that that'll let us know exactly what the issue is. Yeah. Ideally, yeah, if it's just inflammation, yeah. Now go on, Andrew. No, I, I would say I, I, ideally, if it's just the inflammation, then maybe arrested for a week or two, and we can see him in the Bronx by you know the second week of April. I I, I can't see this turning into something that requires another surgery, but you never know. Uh, and, and I can only imagine how frustrating it is for Bird. Um, to ha- have been healthy all spring. And then the first time he played nine full innings, I believe they said it was after he played a, f- a full game, it flared up on him. Yeah. It, it, like I said, it's just, you don't want to be like this. You don't want Greg Bird to be a guy that is just always hurt. But man. we talk about replacements though, because look, it looks like he's probably not, I think it's very likely that we won't see him in Toronto because if he's not there the first game, you know, they're probably not going to fly him up for the games Friday through Sunday. So it was most likely – we, we talk about the BBB polls and the group me's we put out, and I put out one that basically was asking, is Greg Bird going to be out not for a few days for all of April or for most of the season? And I think most people said all of April, which – it seems unlike it would seem like almost like a hot take at this point to say he's gonna miss all of April, but would it? I mean, would it shock you if there's just some bombshell that comes out from whoever t- you know, whoever gets it first, whoever tweets it first, that you know, there's something serious in Greg Bird's foot, he's gonna have to have another surgery, and he might miss half the year or the whole year, 60 day DL. So it took the know. doctors like like three months to figure out exactly what was ailing him last year, right? Remember, he. Yeah. He bruised it uh, on a foul ball at the end of spring training. (laughs) And then, yeah. (laughs) Well, and Brian Cashman coming out and and saying, you know, I'm worried about it. Like, that's that's serious because he has nothing to gain by that. If anything, he's putting the free agent first baseman out there that we might be looking into in a better spot because then it looks like, you know, we're desperate for another first baseman. So I think it's a huge deal. Um, you look at all this, and again, it, it appears to be the same foot that's bothering him. And I don't know. I mean, it's it's not something that I could look at him and like be angry and be like, oh wow, it's your fault. You know, you keep getting hurt and hurt, and you can't get over this. But I think it's getting to the point where we all have to be realistic and be like, okay, this is a recurring issue. Uh, much like uh, Luigi was talking about, with like a Derrick Rose or something. Somebody got you know somebody who's got an injury that just go won't go away like this. And you just gotta wonder. Yeah, and Derek Rose might not be the best comparison because, you know, Rose had an MVP year, and Greg Bird obviously has not had an MVP year yet. One huge um, dinger off Andrew Miller. He's, yeah, he's had a you know, big home run. He's had uh, he's had potential MVP seasons on Yankee Twitter, but, you know, none in actual real life. And, yeah, it's just going to be tough to see him miss a lot of time again. But let's talk about who – let's just – who do you want – to replace Greg Bird if he is out for an extended period of time. It could be a guy not on the Yankees right now. It could be a guy in AAA. It could be a guy in single A. I don't care. Who do you want replacing Greg Bird if he misses an extended amount of time? Joey Votto. Oh, wait. We, oh, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I should, you know what? I should have I'm just screwed with you. No, I know uh, what you I mean. I, I, I ideally would like to see – Tyler Austin in some way, shape, or form. I would like to see the platoon split with like a Billy McKinney just to see what it's like. And and that's, again, that's probably not going to happen. We can put that in the drawer with Joey Votto. But I want to see Tyler Austin in some way, shape, or form, even if he's coming up just to get, you know, the stars against the left-handed pitchers. Let's see what he can do because he's hit pretty well in the minors as well. And we keep saying it over and over again. He's got opposite field pop, which plays really well in Yankee Stadium. So I'm going to just stick with Austin. Yeah, I would go with Austin too to be honest, because 
here's a guy that has obviously not a ton of MLB experience, but 123 at bats in a couple of years. You know, he's a 236 hitter. He, I want Austin because I, oh, look, I've said on this pod before, I like Austin. I think he's a good, solid hitter. I think he's a guy that, if he played a full season, could pop out 25, 30 home runs. The guy I've compared Tyler Austin to is Dan Ugla. I think he could be that 240, 250, 25, 30 home run kind of guy. But, you know, it's really all just about him getting a shot. And if Bird keeps getting hurt, then I really think that Tyler Austin would be the guy that I would go with. Nick, you got anything else to say about the, the top? You know, I was just thinking about how awesome it was the fact that, you know, Tyler Austin and Aaron Judge, I don't think we realize how great of a moment that was, them just going back-to-back back on in their first uh, bats. with Especially, well, I forget what day it was exactly, but just that picture of uh, Pettit, Jeter, Rivera, and Posada just all watching it in the Yankees clubhouse, wherever they were. Just an awesome moment. I, I'll, that's something you'll, you'll just never forget. Just wanted to bring that up. It was really cool and kind of a awesome. sign of things to come with this uh, Yankees youth movement and these young guys coming up and producing right away. So that was really cool. Andrew, who do you want to see at first base? Ideally, it's got to be Tyler Austin, right? I yeah, mean, we're all we're all in agreement. No, no debates here. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm sorry if I'm sounding a little uh, scratchy right now, guys. <laughs> I had to, uh, uh, you're all good. You, you sound you sound fine, Andrew. But I'm uh, I'm on my phone right now. I got the uh, the blue screen of death on my laptop mid <laughs> mid question. So hey, it I, I did see your lovely face pop up. It was good good rebound though. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So that's you know, guys, great. We're all going to be waiting for that. I'm going to have my tweet notifications on for Brian Hoke. Because you know that tweet's dropping just probably around noon, one o'clock, just about that report of what happened. You know, you're not, we're not going to get an answer right away, but we might get something. We, we might just get some juicy detail. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just some bruising. Maybe he'll be fine. Maybe he's on his, he'll be on his way to Toronto with the team, but maybe he's out for five years. You, you just do not know. Maybe you it's the last know. we've seen him in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Maybe, maybe he may never pick up. Now, you really, you don't want to say that because it really injuries ruin guys' careers. Injuries suck, but man, he really is becoming like that guy from SpongeBob. Um, another guy we didn't mention that obviously he wouldn't be the starting first baseman. You couldn't give him this role right away, but Andujar is starting to dabble a little bit at first base, and yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing Andujar at first base a few games. That means getting him playing time. Yeah, they reported the other day that he's going to be doing 80% of his time at third base 80, and 20%, 20% at first. It's like glad uh, we're going. Uh, again, just to add extra depth, which uh, I, I don't know if they were thinking about this a week or two ago, and it just happened to pop up the day that Bird's injury flared up. But if they're talking about extra depth in, in the midst of Bird's injury, it doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's any mistake that this came out kind of at the same time that Andujar's not working out at first. And I'd, I'd love to see that. You know, unfortunately, this is how he'd get his at-bats in the lineup or something like that. But I don't – see, to me, I don't think that's something that's terribly realistic. I don't think you can just have guys, you know, get a couple reps at a position, you know, down in the minors and come up and play, you know, major league caliber first base. So it's a nice thought, but I just don't really see that happening. Agreed. Well – We'll see what happens with the Birdman. Obviously, we'll tweet it out right when it happens. But, yeah, so moving on, a few little news and notes here. Uh, Brandon Drury, his x-rays were negative after he got hit by a pitch on the left elbow uh, against the Red Sox. He will wear an elbow guard for the remainder of the season. Um, Mike Ford was acquired in the Rule 5 draft. He was sent to AAA. There's another guy who, hey, he could possibly be at first base. Who knows? That's a good point. I was going to say, like, if, if you're looking at potentially going after, like, an Adam Lind, a left-handed guy who, you know, probably 270 average, eh, 20-ish home runs. I mean, Ford hit 20 home runs in the minors last year, and obviously that's the minors, but seems like a left-handed bat that can get the bat on the ball, hit for a little bit of power. So maybe he offers you, you know, instead of going out and signing an Adam Lind and giving a, you know, a roster spot to a guy in a major league contract, you let him get a shot. I mean – couldn't hurt, right? You wouldn't think. Mm-hmm. 
Agreed. Uh, another news note that we'll talk about a little, um, Jonathan Holder. It will be the final pitcher, the 13th pitcher on the Yankees. He made it over. Herman, Cessa, Heller, he made it. Um, Holder is very uh, unspectacular, to say the least, last year. But I just think they wanted to get Domingo reps as a starter in AAA, which is understandable. I think they value him a little bit more than Holder. But what are you guys' thoughts on Holder being that uh, – you know, I was, I was thinking about this before. You know, we call Canely the fireman. And, you know, with all due respect to Holder, I think he's just going to be the trash man on this team because I don't think we're ever going to see, I don't think we're ever going to see Jonathan Holder in a game that's not a seven or eight run game, whether the Yankees are winning or whether they're losing. It's it's never going to be a close game unless, unless it's the 19th inning. To but be honest, I don't even about. know how long they're going to roll. I mean, right now they're doing the 13-man bullpen and he's the last guy in. But at some point you're going to want that extra bench guy, right? So it, it may be yeah. that he's not even on the roster all of April. So I don't think he's going to be a, an, an impact guy. He's going to be an innings eater. Uh, if they have a big lead or they're down big, they'll use him. But ultimately, he, he's well, a low impact guy. Well, you just got to think. I mean, with 13 pitchers, we've already seen uh, Bird. Uh, we've already seen the Yankees possibly lose one of their starters on offense for opening day. I mean, injury, with 13 pitchers, with 12 pitchers, somebody's going to go down at some point. So – I think it really just means, you know, the fact that I'm not sure off the top of my head how many options he has left, but he's just, you know, he's the guy that's probably going to be called up if a guy like D-Rob or for just, you know, a guy in the bullpen goes down, he's probably going to be prioritized over Herman or over Sessa or over Heller. So I think even if he gets sent down back to AAA in uh, a week or so, I think we're still going to see him at least 15, 20 times this season. Yeah, and it very well could just be, like Andrew was saying, the beginning of the Scranton shuttle pretty much can be what, what all that's going on. Honestly, I didn't know much about Jonathan Holder. I mean, you look up his minor league stats, and he struck guys out in droves. So, you know, if he can harness it and do it in the MLB, that'd be great. But at the same time, he doesn't have to because this bullpen is so good. So I like Domingo Herman for the job. I said that last uh, last week. I think he's just got some great raw stuff um, that – if it doesn't necessarily translate in a starting role, um, people are saying it can be very good in the bullpen. But I don't think the Yankees uh, are really going to get hurt one way or the other here because, again, the, the rest of the bullpen is so strong that even if he is terrible, we should be able to, you know, stomach that no problem. And Andrew, any uh, any additional thoughts on the, the Jonathan Holder? I, I mean, just to – just to repeat what you guys have said, as far as, as Herman goes, they definitely see him as, as a starter. And with the uncertainty of the innings they're going to put on Severino and Montgomery, Herman's probably going to get a couple starts this year. So uh, Holder's the guy. He's going to be the middle inning guy. They're, Herman's earmarked for, for starts. Agreed, agreed. Well, let's get into the pinstripe previews. We have four tonight. Uh, coming, They're winding down. We've saved uh, – we saved some really good ones for the last show before the season, but let's start off with none other than the host of the the tonight show, Ronald Torres, who, man, what, what, like what a year for Toe last year. It was such an up and down year. It seems like so many Yankee fans love Torres, but so many even more, I feel like hate him. Just can't stand him. Uh, Therese, I feel like last year was just the perfect example of how uh, batting averages can be a little bit deceiving. I mean, he hit 292 in 315 at-bats, but only a 314 on-base percentage and a 375 slug. So really wasn't, you know, uh, an absolute threat, especially with the .7 war. And, you know, he was really frustrating in the field. That's the main thing with Therese that really just uh, angered you. But I think he has a spot on this team, to be honest. I, I know Tyler Wade is on the 25 man, but I think, you know, Therese until guys like Gliber or Andujar, whoever start either raking in the minors or if Therese starts struggling, I think Therese is going to be on the Yanks for the long haul. What do you guys think about, what do you guys thoughts about Toe? Let's just have your, let's not talk about how Toe's, what are your thoughts about Ronald Therese? Well, I personally don't mind him, and I think that's a, a good point because I don't know really how to project him because I'm not quite sure what his role with the team is going to be yet. Um, I'm assuming he's just going to be a utility guy again, and I think he did a fine job at that. Um, yeah, he plays he every, every every position, and he's not you know, a defensive all-star, and obviously he's not you know going to scare you at the plate. He did hit 292. That's great. 
But at the same time, we're just asking him to be serviceable enough that, you know, he's not going to kill us if he has to step in and play a little bit. So he's not going to okay get picked with... off at, at first well, base. In game yeah, that was in my yes. head. I was trying to yeah. think of some way to get around that. Yeah. So maybe yeah. he will. Yeah. Uh, but look, man, I know some Yankees fans, you know, get really frustrated with all that, like he and uh, Austin Romine. But at the same time, these guys are backups for a reason. Um, the starters are the guys that we expect to make all these plays and do all this and that. So. I look at Therese and say he's a fine enough uh, utility guy, but this infield is getting very crowded. At th- what point is, you know, can Tyler Wade come out and be a better, you know, utility guy? And so, I don't know. I'd say he's fine. He's not good. He's not bad. And that, you know, and that's fine. <laughs> Put it that way. I was one of the uh, the harsher Ronald Therese critics last year. And- <laughs> Where are you, Andrew? <sighs> And I think a lot of what uh, a, a lot of the positive rep he got last year is because he did a really good job holding down the fort. You guys remember Didi missed almost mm-hmm. all of April, and Therese really, really did minimize that loss. Uh, if you guys remember, he actually hit the first home run for the whole team <laughs> last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, that first win that they got, uh, third game of the year. But I, again, he's not going to blow anyone away. Stats aren't going to jump off the page. He is redundant with with Tyler Wade, and if Wade shows improvement over what he did last year. He's definitely a better overall option. He's he's taller, so he can cover more ground in the field. He's faster. Uh, he's ideally a better hitter. Um, I think Therese definitely becomes redundant, but I don't see him going anywhere for the short term, at least. Uh, the Yankees, uh, the, the, the coaching staff love him. Of course, the players love him. Uh, and, and he's serviceable for, for a lot of different needs. He can play second, short, or third. Uh, he'll be around for a while. I don't really expect big numbers from him, but you know, he'll, he is what he is. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's going to be a big uh, question for me heading into the season with Therese. Like how tight of a leash is he going to have? Cause I feel like the moment he starts, you know, just the moment he starts not producing, he's going to get moved. He's going to get either released or DFA or whatever, because like you said, Andrew Wade is just such a better option. If he's, uh, what we hope he could be. If he's competent at the plate, he's a much better option than Torres, and you really don't need both those guys in the roster. So that, I'm not going to do an over and under for Torres, but I'm just going to ask, will Torres be on the roster at the end of the season? At the end of the regular I'm, season, I should say. Well, how's about, let's put it this way, will he be on the postseason roster? Maybe that might be a better right. because that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, will he be yeah. a part of the team? Like, I'm gonna season, I'm gonna say season. no. Um, I'm gonna say he's gonna get phased out in one way or the other because there's Wade, uh, Glaber Torres, and Miguel Andujar, and I think you know two or three of those guys are gonna have established roles on the team. And you know, with Brandon Dury and Neil Walker, I just am not sure where Ronald Torres is, is gonna have a spot. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. There's there's so many infield options. The big the big question mark, of course, is are they going to give Andujar and Torres a shot? Will Wade be serviceable? Will Drury and Walker stay healthy? Um, if you know two-thirds of those guys are, are all sticking around at the end of September, there's no room for Torres. So I'm going to say no, he won't be on the postseason roster, but he, he should definitely see a, a lot of playing time throughout the year. I'm going to say he's going to be – just kidding, I'm not. He's not going to be. <laughs> I just want to disagree with you guys because we're disagreeing. But yeah, he. Okay, like, Steve. It, it, <laughs> <but> really, <laughs> it's just, it's so hard to imagine by the end of the season, by October, either Gliber or Wade or whoever just not overtaking his role. It's really hard to imagine it. Um, I like, it's a shame because Therese just played such a good role last year, even though he did have. A lot of blunders, you know, just a lot of plays that just made you uh, put your uh, head in your hands. But, yeah, so I don't think he's going to be on proceeds roster. Let's move on to the next pinstripe preview. A guy that we mentioned before, the guy that is the 13th pitcher right now in the Yankees, Jonathan Holder, who, you know, had some appearances last year with the Yanks. Uh, I believe he had, yeah, 37 appearances, 3.89 ERA. So, Decent numbers for the role he had, but I think it was a bit surprising to see him get this spot over a Herman or Sessa or Heller. And it could very well be he's headed back to Scranton next week, like we said. But I don't know. I think Holder is going to be, like I said, I think he's going to be that guy that is prioritized over all those pitchers in AAA right now that the Yankees have. 
who's just going to be that he's going to be the garbage man. And that's, you know, not really a flattering nickname, but that's going to be his role. Cause I think he's a guy that could go innings. He's probably going to have a lot of three and four inning appearances, but yeah. So Jonathan Holder, what do you guys think? What do you, do you guys think he's going to take a step forward this year? You guys think he's going to show improvement because you know, 4.15 career already in 45 appearances. So really hasn't been all too spectacular. I would hope he takes a step forward. Um, obviously, he's got really good numbers in the minors, so the stuff is there. But I kind of look at this the same way I looked at the Ronald Torres question as far as is he going to be on the roster by the end of the year? And I'm going to say no. Um, again, I think this is just the beginning of the Scranton shuttle. Um, I think the Yankees really like Luis Sessa, Domingo Herman, and uh, even Chance Adams. Some people are saying his future might be more of a, a reliever than a starter. So. I think the Yankees just have too much talent. And, I mean, if he does come out and start blowing people away, that's great. Um, I'm just not real familiar with him enough to kind of make that determination yet. But I know these other guys, uh, you know, are really highly touted prospects and got good raw stuff. So, you know, good for Holder for making the team uh, now. But I think he's going to really have to come out and be lights out to uh, stay on the team. You know, I'm actually looking up uh, his stats right now, just from, from last season, uh, I, again, I know we've touched upon that he had phenomenal minor league numbers in 2016, which earned him a call up at the end of the season. Uh, and then he'd won the the spot outright last year, struggled a bit, but check out some of his stats. Uh, if you look at his batting average against uh, for, for right-handed hitters against him, 260 left-handed hitters, 361. I mean, that's a huge gap. And, and, and I wonder if, if he's not going to be the guy who just goes in and eats innings, they, they may have to use him as a right-hand specialist, as, as weird as that sounds. I mean, that that's a big gap from, from last season. It looks like uh, another one. You look at four walks against 30 strikeouts when facing righties, four walks against 10 strikeouts when facing lefties. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't even aware of this watching the games, but looking up the stats now, it is pretty jarring. Um, I, I don't really know what to think of, of Holder. He's not a, a long-term piece. I, I like him. But he's not going to be an impact arm. Yeah, I mean, you were we were talking about before the show, before we started recording. I mean, in 2016 in AAA, his strikeouts per nine was 15.5, and I think he had like a 1.6 ERA. So he he was just nasty in AAA. I mean, AAA was 0. 0.9, 0. 0.89, 0.89. I don't know where I got 1.6, but yeah, so he was absolutely filthy in AAA in 2016. Those are some impressive numbers, and yeah, you just with all the pitchers on the Yankees, you just don't see – I mean, I can see Holder kind of being more of a bullpen guy. Like, I don't see him really ever being a starter for the Yankees. But, yeah, he's he's most likely going to not – I'm going to ask the same question that I asked for Torres that I did for Holder. Uh, not that will he be on the MLB roster, but do you guys think Jonathan Holder will be on the Yankees by the end of the season? Because I think – isn't Holder just like the ideal piece to include in a Yankees trade? Like as one of like three prospects. Yeah, that's a really good point. As far as comes to what I was saying uh, with McKinney earlier, is bring him up and hope that he does well, and then you can maybe send him back down, and you know that way he doesn't have time to you know do something bad and start coming back down to earth, and you can say to other teams, "Well, look at what happened while he was up here." So that's a really just, good point. Just, just, um, think of this, just think of this real quick. Holder is twenty four years old. He's going to be twenty five in about a couple months. You know, he's has some MLB experience. Well, that's a pretty decent trade piece, right? I mean, it's not no, I not, agree. Not the best, but I don't know. I think just like I said, I forget who I said it with, but there's a couple guys you look at on this Yankees roster and you say, Man, this guy, this guy might be the perfect, perfect piece in a package to get a uh, you know, either a starter or whoever we need in July. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I actually yeah. So I my prediction, I think Holder will be moved this season. I think, and I just think you know, like I I don't trust Brian Cashman to not make a trade this trade deadline. You know, like the last based on the last couple of years has gone. It's I'm I would be foolish to think that nothing's going to happen with the Yankees and trades and moves. Well, and the Yankees pitching is just so deep, and it's going to get to a point where you got all these good pitchers, and only so many of them can be on the big league team. So. I absolutely see, you know, see what you're saying here. This is pretty much the ideal trade piece. So, yeah, I'll say he gets moved up before the, the end of the year. That's the thing with the Yankees starting rotation. We're deep, but they're not top heavy, right? They're, or yeah, they're not top heavy. If Sevy or Tanaka or Gray goes down for an extended period of time, 
the Yankees are probably going to need to make a trade because, yeah, you could plug in either a Sheffield or whoever you want to put in that number five role. But if he, they're out, if a guy like Sevier Tanaka is out, even Gray is out for the postseason, you're probably going to need a guy from not outside your organization to help you out. So, Andrew, do you think Jonathan Holder will be a part of the Yankees organization? I, I don't think so unless he has one of those, you know, he figures everything out this year type seasons. And we've seen random guys in the Yankees bullpen over the years, like Luis Ayala, you know, Cody Epley, like those type of guys just come out of nowhere. They're just generic. Uh, Corey Wade was another one. And, and if Holder somehow just becomes that guy, comes in, pitches to a 2.0 ERA, then yeah, he'll be on the postseason roster. But I mean, that that's that's a long shot. I don't see that happening. And he is very redundant in, in the system. They have guys like, Heller, who throw very similar stuff. Uh, and, and if they're not going to use him in AAA and they don't see him fit for the major league roster, they, they should move him, get something else to help the staff. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Holder is another guy who just not like how many Scranton shuttle is going to need a bit of an upgrade. There's a lot of guys in that Scranton shuttle, man. But let's move on to now our last two pinstripe previews will be guys who we know – actually, the two guys are who are our t- final two pinstrap previews are the two longest-tenured Yankees right now. And the first one we'll start off with, the second, is CC Sabathia, who, man, what a year for CC last year. I don't think that's talked about enough, how CC just – I'm not going to say he turned back the clock because he completely reinvented himself last year, just a completely different pitcher. I mean, if you would have told, told someone in 2010 that – yeah, you know, CC Sabathia, one year he's going to, you know, a few years in 2017, he's going to go 14 and five with 3.7 ERA. But in 148 innings, he's only going to strike out 120 guys. You probably wouldn't believe him, but there he did it. CC Sabathia just, I mean, I really, I can't say enough about how big he was in the regular season, especially in the postseason. Just, ah. <sighs> I still like we were talking about it before the show, and I hate to bring this up in this pinstripe preview, but I will forever be mad about Joe pulling CC in game two because I I was more mad about that than him not challenging because that that was just terrible. CC was cruising. CC would have could have gone six strong that night. But anyways, do you guys think CC Sabathia is going to be able to? Not I'm not going to say repeat what he did last year, but. Do you think he's going to be able to maintain being a at least a solid starting pitcher? I think he absolutely can. Like you mentioned, he learned to finish. Uh, finish, learned to pitch with diminished stuff last year on the Bronx Bomber Battle Pod. <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, he learned to pitch with diminished stuff, and again, kind of like uh, Luigi was saying, it's almost like he turned back the clock. I mean, as far as effectiveness, um, obviously he's not going to blow people away, not going to be striking them out, but he knows how to get out. So. One thing I want to ask you guys real quick. Baseball reference is saying that CC Sabathia's nickname is Dub. Has anybody here ever called him Dub? Because I have not heard that. So I think I they might not. Yeah, I think they might want to check their uh, their numbers on that. But again, it can't be overstated how huge he was in the postseason and just how huge he's been in the postseason since he signed with us. Obviously, there was 2009. Uh, was it 2012? I believe uh, against the Orioles, Game Five of the uh, game. Oh yeah, I remember watching that game with my family and. It, it was just masterful. I, I honestly, I was not nervous once we got the lead in that game. CC, I felt like he's going to hold this lead. Like I'm actually not nervous about this going into Game Five against Cleveland last year. CC on the mound. I had, a, I had a calm about it, and that's huge. You want that guy, you know? I'll say it right now. If I need the Yankees to win a game, I'm taking CC over Sevy, over Tanaka, over Gray. Um, he just knows how to win big games. He knows how to pitch. He's got that experience. So, I think he could be in for you know re. Pete year and be pretty damn close to what he put up last year. I'm not saying, you know, he's going to come out and be throwing a, a three flat ERA like that, but I think going back to, you know, like about a three, seven ERA like he had last year um, is absolutely doable. Um, but I do expect the Yankees are probably going to be really cautious with him as he is uh 37 now and pretty close to being 38. So just like a I, lot of, like I said, he only, he only threw 148 innings last year, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so I think the Yankees are going to take it easy on him, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's going to be a huge contributor. Um, and he doesn't have to be an ace anymore. The Yankees kind of got that in Severino. So that you know takes a lot of pressure off of him to just kind of do his thing and succeed much in the way he did last year. 
Yeah, with CC, uh, I, I don't expect him to be as good as he was last year, but by no means do I expect that much of a drop-off. Maybe like a high three area, like in the three eight, three nine, potentially four. Uh, the one thing you got to watch out with CC is that he has spent at least some time in the DL in four straight seasons and five of the last six. So I, I know at his age, it, it's something you're going to have to oh, always be aware of. Uh, one thing I love, though, is that he learned to pitch to to soft contact. You know, he's not blowing guys away, but he doesn't have to you know, over. He doesn't also have the stuff to, you know, frame the outside corners and and you know, buckle hitters' knees, kind of like Dylan can with that curveball. CC pitches within the zone. He makes the hitters put the bat on the ball, but soft pop-ups, you know, ground balls to the second baseman. One thing, when you watch him, he gives up a lot of hits, but how many of them are those mind-numbing, you know, a ball squeaks through, a 17-hopper through the middle? It always seems like he gets burned, but stuff that's by no means his fault. It's just mm-hmm. a soft contact ball that squeaks through. Yeah, see, I mean, and the thing about CC the my favorite part of old CC is just that backdoor slider. I mean, when he's on, he just works that thing all game. And it's just, that is like a brutal pitch to hit, especially if you're a righty. I mean, you just, you know, lefty, it, lefty, it comes in on you, but a lot of time if you're a lefty, that pitch will hang and it'll just be right in your uh, wheel zone. But for a righty, man, that pitch usually is in the zone for about a tenth of a second and that's it. Mm. But so for CC this year, you guys kind of answered it. But over or under a four ERA, do you think he's going to be in the threes like he has been? Because he was at a 3.91 in 2016, and they got up to a 3.69 in 2017. Do you think he stays in the threes, or does he go back to the fours? Or I'll, go, I'll go under just to add like a 3.8. Yeah, I'm going to say a hair under as well, 3.9, 3.95. I'm going to go a hair over at like 4.1, 4.2. And that, that wouldn't be the worst thing because honestly, if CC, you know, went – pitched 25 games, went 130, 140 innings, and, you know, had a 4.1 ERA, I'd be fine with that because that's what you kind of expect out of a number four, number three starter. Um, But, yeah, my bad. I just I accidentally put myself on mute. But <laughs> <laughs> No problem. I was, I was there earlier trying to talk. I'm like, why is everybody talking to, over me? <laughs> it's, you know, the way my laptop is, the volume up button and the mute button on the keyboard is like right next to each other. And I do it all the time. And it, a lot of times it doesn't give you that notification. So, you know, the technology added again. But, oh. yeah, man. Yes, CC coming into the year as number three pitcher. We've talked about that before and about how that was a little bit surprising. I think that was probably to you know light a fire under Gray's ass a bit, you know, saying, "Hey, you gotta you gotta earn your spot on this team, but or spot on this rotation, your top three spot." Well, they only did that to split the lefties. I mean, realistically, Gray's the number three, CC's the four, but they they wanted to have CC and Montgomery not pitch consecutively. And Andrew, you didn't let me finish. I was about to say that you know Aaron (laughs) Boone probably told him that, hey. You're not the Cy Young winner yet, just because Nick Scott and a few other yes, he is. Mem- nope, members yeah, he of Yankees Twitter hailed you as the Cy Young winner. Doesn't mean he is a Cy Young. Oh. We don't we don't need to play the season. You know, Stanton and Judge are going to hit 120 home runs. Uh, Sonny Gray is going to win this yet Cy Young, and the Yankees are going to win the World Series. So I say just cancel and the season. We'll take the trophy now. And Bird's going to miss the whole year. Yep. Correct. Yep. Um, another thing we want to mention about CC is he's the host of one of the best podcasts out there. Um, the R2C2 podcast, which I don't think they've had a new episode in a bit, but once they do, once they have the Yankees on there, we'll be talking about it on here because it's such a great podcast. If you're not even if you're a Yankees fan, if you're a New York sports fan in general, they have like, you know, Strahan's been on there. There's been a lot of good guests that they've had on there. And Ruko and CC are just so good together. But our final pinstripe preview the longest tenure Yankee, the former walk on, the speedster himself. The Guardy party, Brett Gardner. And, yeah, Brett Gardner, you know, last year, a career high in home runs. Had 21 home runs. He had 63 home runs headed into his headed into the 2017 season for his career, and he hit 21 last year. So, had quite a year. Uh, had that glorious weekend where he literally just walked off and had, like, the winning run in back-to-back games. But... Yeah, 4.9 war last year, 23 stolen bases. So he's not the same speed demon that we saw last year or we used to see early in his career. But do you guys think that 
Gardy is going to, like, much like CeCe, I think, you know, with these guys being the two longest-tenured Yankees, it's fair asking of both of them. Both, I think CeCe's almost 38, Gardy's 34, he's going to be 35 in the middle of the year. Do you see Gardy taking a significant step off? Because he hit 264 last year, and that's exactly his career average. So do you think he's going to be in that range this year? Is he going to start showing his age this year, maybe possibly get overtaken by Jacoby Ellsbury? Well, he's getting into territory where he could because you look at the Yankees outfield, it's, you know, obviously Frazier and Ellsbury on the DL, but it's it's pretty crowded. Gardner's a guy who's always kind of frustrated me because I think he's a lot better than the numbers he's put up. Um, a lot of the times I feel like he's too passive at the plate and too passive um, on the bases. I feel like the guy could steal 30, 40 uh, bases if he would just run, and that's been something that's frustrated me. But I think last year, I think that that glorious grind him out at bat against Cody Allen in Game Five of the ALDS against the Indians last year. I think that really kind of exemplified uh, Gardner's career, really, because I think with Gardner, there's a lot more than the numbers there. I think he's the heart of this team and is real. You know, he's the leadership of the team, um, and I think that's huge. We need obviously, you know, don't have Derek Jeter anymore. He was the captain. Um, and I'm not saying Brett Gardner's reached that level yet, but you know, it's good to have somebody that can, you know, come forward and, and kind of guide the guys that way. And, look, these numbers really aren't still bad. 264, you know, 21 home runs. Um, look at the juice ball era. Might have had something to do with him getting to 21. But um, the other thing I want to mention is he's damn good defensively too. I mean, he uses his speed, and obviously this is a multiple-time uh, gold – multiple gold glove winner. So, is, I don't – Is he a multiple-time gold glove winner? Isn't it? I think he's won two, or maybe he's not. He, sh- I think, I think he should have won last, but he only. I think he just has one twenty. Oh, uh, maybe that, maybe that's what that's what it is, and that's what I had in my head. But I think he's a solid player, and again, much in the way I was saying, like Holder doesn't have to be spectacular. I don't think Brett Gardner has to be spectacular either, because the other players, you know, with the superstar talent are there, and he's here to kind of play a role, kind of be that leadoff hitter, get on base, and you know, go first to third on a single, stuff like that. You know, do his thing. So I don't know. I'm not going to project he's going to fall off a cliff. I don't think he's going to hit 21 home runs again. Uh, that's for sure. But man, I'd like to see him, you know, touch 25 to 30 stolen bases if possible. So we will see. Yeah, I think we, expecting a power output like he had last year again is is definitely unreasonable. But he was the only regular starter with with enough qualified innings in Major League Baseball to not commit an error last year. Uh, his defense still has high value, especially if the Yankees are going to be swapping in a, a trio of Hicks, Stanton, and Judge at the other two positions, uh, ideally I want Gardner to get as many starts as possible in left field, uh, the exception being the days he doesn't play at all. Um, again, Scott, I think you're right on with the fact that he has great speed and he just doesn't seem to run as much. I, maybe he's trying to time out the pitcher and he gets you know, too into it and he, he doesn't just let his instincts Fly, but Gardner's going to be a valuable member of this team no matter what. The only thing that worries me is that he is also very streaky. And if he gets in one of those one for 20, one for 30 stretches, uh, something where also he's getting up a lot with, with men on base late in the game, not coming through, that'll aggravate us. But uh, I think you look at his stat sheet at the end of the year, uh, he'll probably be right in line with what his career averages are. Yeah, and Gardner, the past five seasons he's played in at least 145 games each of those five seasons he played in 151 last year so you know it's a guy that in his 30s has been playing a lot and i i don't think that Gardner, like i think it's safe to say i don't think he's going to play 150 games this year in the outfield with all the like with just the additional depth that the yankees have in the outfield and almost like you know if ellsbury is healthy like they're going to need to f- play him some games uh I definitely see Gardy maybe only playing like 130, maybe even fewer than that games this season. But yeah, guy that's just been pretty solid for the Yanks all throughout. And yeah, I mean, the, if he hits 20 home runs again, man, that would be something. But I, I don't think we see that. But I'm not going to do an over and under for Gardner either because I'm going to ask if, do you guys think that Brett Gardner will be the leadoff hitter for a majority of the year? Um, I'm going to say yes, tentatively. And I think you can almost go with the same thing with Brett Gardner. Like, I don't think it's that crazy to ask like, Hey, is he going to be the starting, uh, you know, left fielder at some point Is one of these guys is uh Clint Frazier and Aaron Hicks going to force their way in. 
I'm going to say he'll stay the leadoff hitter. I think I don't think he's going to deteriorate um, deteriorate that much, and I think his skills will still be able to you know get on base, and I think that's what the Yankees need him to do. Obviously, we've kind of talked about Aaron Judge leading off, and I'm all for that, but I'm not sure if that's something that Aaron Boone is going to pull in his first year. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure how the organization would feel about uh, Aaron Judge leading off, but that's I would say that's his biggest contender is Aaron Judge to lead off. Um, but I'll say for the majority of the year, it's Brett Gardner. Just to go a little controversy in here, I will say no. I think the Yankees uh, are going to experiment with a lot of different lineups. I, I personally like Garner hitting ninth just because he he rounds out the lineup really well. And especially against left-handed pitchers, I something tells me that Aaron Boone's going to try out Aaron Hicks a lot as leadoff when they're facing left-handed pitchers. So do I think Gardner's going to be leading off most of the games here? No. Uh, maybe 40 to 60 games, but not over 100. Yeah, I'm going to say that he's not the leadoff hitter for the majority of the year. And because, look, I'm on the Aaron, like I've said before, I'm on the Aaron Judge should that leadoff uh, bandwagon. But I don't even think it's mainly because of that. I really do think that Guardy is just not going to be the same guy he's been in uh, years past this year. And, you know, if he's hitting down the 230s, 240s, you know, that's that's not a leadoff hitter. And I, I think that's going to be the case. And, you know, I, if Hicks – if Hicks does what he did last year before he got hurt, you know, if he hits, if he's hitting 290 and if he's popping out homers, I'm fine with Hicks being the leadoff hitter. Maybe he walks a lot. Yeah, he sees a lot of pitches, walks. Maybe go Hicks, Judge, Stanton. Who knows? But yeah, well, you know, a few added things because those are pinstripe views, and that's pretty much our show. But yeah, so Nick, how was your weekend in Nashville, man? That's you know, Oh, it was a fun time. I really got a really good picture with a dude uh, dressed as Jack Sparrow. Um, I'm going to just choose to say it was Johnny Depp instead of just some random guy walking around Nashville uh, dressed up as Jack Sparrow. But man, Nashville's uh, that's a great town, man. Uh, like going out on Broadway, uh, you know, all the bars were it was packed. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with uh, spring break. Um, but man, like I'd walk into a bar and like you're brushing past people, you know, holding your drink next to you, trying not to spill it on somebody at, at all the bars and. That's just awesome. Um, up here in Columbus, like the bar scene uh, is absolutely not that way at all. It's pretty weak. So it was nice to get away. Um, you know, uh, some of the bands uh, call this out. Um, it's obviously a thing at any concert you go to. You got to yell Freebird. Okay. This is standard protocol. Some some guy has got to yell play Freebird. And uh, in one of the bars last night, we did that. And uh, the guy on stage is like, Oh, would you check out these guys? They must have gotten the night off from the Croc store. And uh, I was I was pretty hot when we left that bar. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, look, you can say I you can sell, say I sell Crocs, but you're not going to say that my buddy sells Crocs uh, on his birthday, no less. So that dude, you know, not good, uh, yeah. not cool, man. But just you should oh, have just make sure you didn't tell him that you listen, you guys listen to Nickelback because then you really they would. Oh, you know what? I'll, they I'll take I'll, Nickelback. <laughs> hey. I'll take Nickelback all day over what this guy was putting out. I mean, that dude wears Crocs compared to Nickelback. And uh, obviously, Luigi is a huge Nickelback fan. Um, we've got, you know, tickets for multiple Nickelback concerts. We're going to kind of follow them around. Um, you know, there's groupies, and I think we're male uh, groupies for Nickelback. Right, right, Luigi? You just love them that much? Um, I'm going yeah, to yeah, so, edit, uh, edit, edit that part we're out. We're going to go to the podcast. But, yeah, you know, it was a good weekend. I unfortunately – I unfortunately had to watch uh, Luigi's Knowles lose to the Michigan Wolverines uh, yeah. last night. I'm, I'm sorry to, to hear that there, buddy. But at the same time, at least your team wasn't a number one seed and got eliminated in the first weekend, yeah. the very yeah. first day. Florida, Florida State uh, fought hard. They were just ice cold last night. Um, it was a great season, though, man, to, to make it as a nine seed of the Elite Eight. Uh, we have that whole team returning next year, too. I think we're only losing one guy. So – so you guys yeah. officially basketball school? Uh, man, you know, the way our football school has been going, uh, football team has been going the last few years, maybe. But, no, we're, we're both, man. Uh, it's great to be a Noel right now. Uh, Unless I you're Jimbo Fisher. No, I mean, you know, hey, Jimbo, I'll, I'll always have respect for Jimbo. I, I'm not here to trash Jimbo. I love Jimbo. But, yeah, what he did, he, the way he left was wrong. But, hey, that's coach got me a national title, you know. Can't, can't, those don't grow on trees, boys. But, yeah, man, just – Crazy tournament. That Kansas Duke game today was just it's pretty intense. That was, that was a great game, man. I was went into overtime. Grayson out. I mean, 
man, if Grayson Allen would have hit that shot, man, I think I would have. I don't think we'd be doing this podcast right now. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, man, that would have been. Because that, that would have been like the Leitner, you know, the lead eight and the buzzer beater. It just goes like that would have, that was like scripted. I saw the ESPN 30 for 30, like in my, being typed out as that shot was going around the rim. And it just somehow didn't go in. Like if you, if you, Grace Allen's new Christian Leitner. Yeah. If you pause that moment in time, I swear, I would literally tell you that, oh, yeah, it's going to go in. It, it's going it's for sure going to go in. it's grace and allen this is just you know this is how this is how life works boys like grace and allen's gonna hit a shot but he didn't and yeah that thank god right but yeah that's our show uh we still have our big preview show coming out wednesday we're gonna be a lot of bold takes uh fine we're not look i i think um, let's just make a rule right now we shouldn't have any are the Yankees going to win the World Series? Because, look, year after year, like there's always going to be like most of our panel probably saying the Yankees are going to win the World Series. So we're probably not going to have that. But we're going to just – we'll say if they're the favorites or whether we think they're more likely to win over certain teams. But I think we could all agree on that, right, boys? Yes. That's yeah. probably – well, hey, speaking of both takes, uh, Andrew, how is uh, Greg Bird's going to out Homer Gary doing? How's that look right now? You know, think- the, the stipulation with that was assuming he's healthy. And I kind of went all in on Greg Bird miraculously staying healthy this year. And I, I'm pretty snake bitten on that right now. So obviously uh, that, that that is out the window. You know, Nick, mm. you didn't rule out the possibility of Andrew possibly purchasing a PS4, buying MLB The Show, and creating a franchise where Greg Bird indeed hits more home runs than Gary in 2018 so i don't think that's possible i think even in the show um greg bird's gonna break yeah, his foot run up the steps yeah, of the dugout. Like you get that notification in france yeah. that he injured broken foot 60 day dl april Ugh. but yeah that's your show so we'll be on we're on itunes we're on soundcloud we're everywhere but for luigi for the eaters See, I set you guys up there, and you guys didn't even. Oh, so, well, okay. For Nick Yeeters, I'll pass it off to Dr. Dre himself. And for the guy who said that Greg Bird was going to out-homer, Gary Sanchez. (laughs) Yeeters, we out.